I'm Mike Vardy. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ConVo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week 
Grant Baldwin returns. We talk about speaking adventures. We talk about his process behind building his talks. We talk about the different types of talks he likes to do. How many talks should one have? Uh, and, and this is an episode that isn't just for people who want to speak for a living or who are speaking for a living. It's for people who are afraid of speaking or need to put together presentations and want to know maybe how many they should have in the bag and so on and so forth. So let's just get to it. Here is my discussion once again with Grant Baldwin as he returns to the Productivityist podcast for a second time here on, as I mentioned, the Productivityist podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Grant Baldwin to the Productivityist podcast once again. Grant, thanks for joining us. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like uh, I feel like there should be something like pyros or smoke or something like as a speaker. I always wish that I would get an entrance like that, but I, I never do. You That's know, right. it's funny. One of the things that when I was designing a one man show based on my eventualism character, the old productivity parody guy that I did, I actually had uh, stylized the entrance as a pro re- <laughs> pro wrestling entrance. So I had like <laughs> like the countdown. Like Chris Jericho is one of my favorite wrestlers, so. I'd have like the countdown and then, you know, it's the lights would go up and I'd smoke. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But that's almost what you would expect. How now, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I had an event a couple of years ago. I was speaking at a, a freshman orientation event where basically they had, had 6,000 freshmen that come to campus and they were just trying to like jack them up and make them excited that they made a good decision to, to take out thousands of dollars in debt to come to that school. So uh, <laughs> I'm speaking and there's just there's a lot going on in the session just to like hype hype up the ninth and so they had the mascot for the school big school uh comes like rappelling in from the ceiling like in this bigger like their big basketball arena comes like rappelling down and like with the pyros and the smoke and everything and so the gal who had booked me i'm standing right next to her watching this i was like can i come in like that like how do i get that gig so uh but nonetheless they just say my name and i walk out on stage so it's, it's a much less theatrical Oh, I, I mean, for me, it was very much along the lines of I wanted to, uh, I wanted to do it just to show the pomp and circumstance that can surround it. Because have you <laughs> seen speakers come out to stuff like that before? Uh, like typically, if it happens, it's like the speaker that had nothing to do with it. It was more just the event was wanting to do something cool or different, and um, and so th- if they want to throw some bells and whistles in, uh, cool. It, like most speakers aren't opposed to it. Um, so yeah, it, it happens from time to time. Now let's. I want to talk today about process, like your process and stuff like that, because um, not just in building of, of talks and building of presentations, but you just finished a digital summit uh, not too long ago. Uh, as we're recording this, how uh, there there there's a real I don't want to say renaissance with digital summits because it's kind of a it's a fairly new thing, but it seems as if there's a lot of them going on right now, basically because. It eliminates the travel. It you know it, it's easier to get. I would imagine to get people to commit to them because they can do them from the comfort of their home or their or their office or whatever. What was the process of putting that thing together? First off, what gave you the idea, and then secondly, how did that start to come together for you? Yeah. So in terms of the idea, it started with a, a conversation that I had with a, a buddy of mine, Chandler Bolt, um, and he had just done one last year and then finished up another one this year. And so we, we had been talking about it and he was just talking about kind of how it, how it moved the needle in, in his business. I thought, well, that'd be, that'd be interesting. I hadn't seen anyone. I'd, I'd seen a bunch of summits done, but I hadn't seen anyone do one specifically for speakers. And so uh, I thought that, that it could be, it could be a fun project. So, um, so it took us a couple months of just kind of scoping it out. And I think that that's, I know that's something that you really teach and, and something that you, 
uh, live. So it's, it's not like, oh, we have this idea on Friday that we're going to do a summit or a speech or a webinar or whatever. And Monday morning, like we just hope it all works out and comes together. So it was, it was probably, let me think, about four or five months of planning in terms of by the time like we started the summit, we had 41 different speakers all of the speakers' uh, interviews were about 30 to 45 minutes each. They were all done by video. Uh, they were all pre-recorded. So by the time we started the summit and started pr- promoting the summit in kind of a, we started promoting like mid-August or so. Um, and by the time we started promoting it, we'd already recorded everything. Everything was done. All the, the emails for the entire thing were written. Everything was queued up and ready to go. And so a lot of it came down to from the beginning of kind of just mapping out all right, from beginning to end, let's just brain dump everything possible that's going to go into it. What are the emails that we need to write? Who are the, what's the, let's make a list of, we made a list of a hundred potential speakers and kind of whittled it down from there. Um, what are the days we're going to run this and what's, how many speakers we're going to have per day? Which speakers we're going to have per day? Are we going to sell something on the front end or the back end? What does that look like? Uh, do we want the speakers to promote and what do we need to provide to them to promote? And what's the upside to them to promoting? And uh, so just thinking through all these different logistical pieces up front uh, really, really made a big difference whenever it comes time to execute. And I think, now, again, I think that that's been a thing that not just with with a, a summit, but just in business in general, and even with a speech, is like beginning with the end in mind and kind of just reverse engineering from there and beginning to create your plan. And, and like, I think we get this with so many other aspects of life. Like uh, the analogy mm-hmm. I always like to use is like a like a road trip. You know, if you're going to go on a road trip. Um, like you, you know where you're. You, you probably have a good idea of where you're going, and before you even leave the parking lot, you've you've pulled up on Google Maps or something, some maybe old school physical map to figure out here's point A, here's point B. What's the best possible way to get from from here to there? And, and yet, whenever it comes to like business or projects, sometimes we just think, no, I'll just kind of like I'll figure it out as I go, and hopefully it all just magically works out. And like that's just a horrible way to to run a business. That's a horrible way to execute on any type of project. So so we just spend a lot of time up front, just like mapping out everything we possibly could think of and at that point like just like the road trip then it's not thinking about oh crap do i turn here do i turn there yeah there's gonna be like detours and construction and roadblocks that come up but for the most part it's like i just i just follow the map like we made the map not just not just follow it now that the nice thing about that is is you've got a template now so you could do kind of the e-myth stuff where you've, you you can work uh you could pass this on to others you, you you could pass it on to you know anyone that you're working with on your team and say hey we're going to do this again and then just tweak it as necessary right yeah no absolutely so now that we've got um you know now that we've got those templates now that we've got the the emails yeah it's a lot of if we're going to do it again it's a lot of just you know tweaking bits and pieces of it um but the general framework you know we we we've got done and i think that's the case um with again a, a lot of different things so for example um when it comes to speaking i think one misconception about speakers is that uh they're giving different talks every time that they speak and no, that's not the case. Like uh, typically if I'm speaking, I'm giving uh, a talk that I've done before and oftentimes I've done many times before. So uh, a lot of the events that I've been hired for, I'm giving some variation of the same talk that I always give. Why? Because that talk is really, really dialed in. It's really, really polished. They don't want to see me like uh, trying to like come up with it on the fly or make something up that I don't know if it's going to work or not. And so each time I give that talk, it gets better and better, but also it becomes easier and easier to deliver because it just uh, we've done. We're, we're a lot more polished with it, and we know how it's going to go, uh, and so it becomes it becomes a little easier each time you do it. Right, right, right. Let's let's dive into the, the construction of a talk uh, because a lot of my listeners, I mean, you, we we know you're a speaker. We we've had you on before, but the idea of, of 
constructing a talk and deciding, okay, uh, it's actually interesting as we're recording this, I'm doing a talk later today. So it's like, I'm going to take all these tips and, and, uh, and steal them. Uh, but how do you, when you, when you frame a talk, first off, do you frame a talk based on the needs of a client in particular? So a customized one, or do you say, okay, here are the X number of talks that I do and I will, so I've got these templates I can work with. Now let me modify it to suit your your audience. Do, or do you sometimes just say, okay, I'm going to create an absolutely brand new one uh, just for either my own edification to spice things up or just to make it, you know, extra, quote, special for the client? Yeah, I would say it's, it's more of um, almost kind of working off of a, of a template or, or a menu, basically, is, is a, lot of, a lot of times the way we think of it. So think of it like if you're going to go to a restaurant. You know, if you and I go to lunch, Mike, we sit down for our lunch, and uh, the waiter walks up and asks, hey, what, you know, what would you guys like to eat? Well, I mean, we'd like to see a menu. It's like, well, we don't have menus here. We can cook anything you want. Then you and I are immediately going to assume, like, no, you can't. Like this yeah. place is not going to let's, let's go somewhere else. Right. Cause there's going to be some things that they can do that are really, really good. And that's the, their specialties and go-tos. And there's some things they're like, we, no, we don't do those things. You know, if you want that, if you want that cuisine, or if you want that type of food, go down the road, there's plenty of other options for that. And I think that's the same thing is true with the speaker. So as a speaker, if you're someone that's like, well, I can speak to anybody about anything. It's like, no, you can't, that's not true. Like, so there's going to be some things you can do really, really well and other things that you shouldn't do. So as a speaker, I think it's important to, um, to really dial in like, this is, what I speak about and, the, and so that you've got you've got literally I'm, I mean I'm talking like one two three talks at the most and like those are the talks that you give and so anytime you're, you're speaking you may um, you may tweak a few little things from those but for the most part like those that's the choice people pick you because they want your best stuff not stuff that you're you're kind of making up and that you hope magically works out in the same way that when I go you know if, if we go to lunch at a restaurant like I want the best thing on the menu because it's the thing that you guys have cooked hundreds if not thousands and thousands of times and you know that thing that you know that recipe so stinking well and it's just good it just really really works that's what that's what clients want uh and so the like a little like just a little secret here is that professional speakers like the best speakers you you've ever seen they don't have a hundred different talks that they give they literally have one or two talks that story that you saw that's so dialed in and polished and it felt like it was just off the cuff I promise you that the best speakers in the world have told that story hundreds and hundreds of times. Mike, I know that you know you and I geek out on comedy, and it's the exact same way. I think there's a ton of parallels there that that, that comedians on stage are like, oh, it seems like they're just making it up on the no, no, no. Like they've they've given that, that bit, they've told that story, they've delivered that punchline so many times. So I think another good way to, to think of this is um, let, let's just go with the, the comedian uh, analogy for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, I think whenever you go see a comedian, they have um, you know they have their different bits, they have their different stories, they have their, their their different things that they do, and those things could go in a different sequence. They may go in a different order from night to night or from set to set, but you're going to get like 90% of it is going to be the same from, from one show to the next. Now, again, so there may be some nuanced differences there. Um, you know, talking to the, to the city that I'm in, you know, a lot of times like they'll open up with um, a couple minutes of just something local that's to them, right. That's only going to work there in that context. In the same way that, um, uh, that, that 90% of the talk may be the same from place to place that you may go speak, but you may be tweaking a few things to that company or to that industry or to that conference. 
difference into who you are specifically speaking to. But the bulk of it is going to stay the same because, again, you know that work. So, again, I, I, would, I would not recommend that you just do a new talk for everybody that you speak to. But you, you really you got just a couple of talks that you do um, and you can you can use those in, in kind of different contexts. So what, when it comes to um, building a talk. How do you go about doing it? Like, so you've decided, okay, I've got these five talks and I've got probably about, how how many talks do you have, do you figure, offhand? Well, and I think another way, like, I guess another way to look at this would be that um, I've got, like, I've got two main keynotes that I do. Right, Um, But then another, I think another way to to look at this is almost like modules or kind of basically like chunks. And again, you can go back to the, the comedy analogy of, those those modules like these things could be used in different context um, regardless of what it is that you're speaking about. I'll give you a quick example. I got a buddy of mine that I was talking to the other day and he he's a, a $30,000 keynote speaker, uh, does a, a hundred plus events a year, he's a big wig speaker, um, is extremely, extremely good. And he basically, uh, he has three different keynotes that he does. And he says, you can, like any company, any event planner can pick one of these three, but I promise you, I'm going to tell this one particular story. I'm going to tell it regardless. So, so he's got a cut, like he's got this one, you know, story or module that's like, I'm going to use this no matter what, because I know it works. Um, but the other things, I, the other modules I can kind of build around it may be different. So, so I think it's it's not even necessarily like I have this one talk. It's more just kind of like uh, again, like with the comedian example, I've got all of these bits that I know these bits work, and I can pick and choose. You know, if I got thirty bits that work, I, I need you know fifteen of them for this show, and I can kind of pull some. I know these fifteen work well together, and they kind of segue well together. Uh, and so I think that's kind of the way you you could approach it. Okay, so let's let's talk about about the so you and like how you say you have about two main keynotes, right? And then you have right, do you, and you do workshop stuff as well, right? Or just generally keynotes? Yeah, I, I, a lot of what I do is with keynotes, but then I, I do a few workshops. And I think with workshop, one of the differences here um, between keynotes and workshops is keynotes are typically going to be more broad, and workshops are going to be more narrow. So, for example, let's say that you're going to what's the what's the group you're speaking to today? A uh, local group of business, uh, you know, small business owners here in Victoria. Okay, small business owners. So, if you're going to go and you're speaking to them on on what? Uh, it's called. It's basically on over overarching productivity practices. So, how to get okay. things done more effectively and efficiently. Okay, so a keynote, a good example for that, you're speaking to everyone, you're doing kind of a keynote type of format, and so it's got to be broad enough to appeal to the entire audience. So if you're speaking to entrepreneurs about productivity, productivity is going to be a, typically a broad topic that's going to work well in that context. So a workshop is going to be more appealing for a smaller segment, so a workshop may be something along the lines of um, – uh, specifically how to use Google Calendar for to enhance your productivity, you know, or some like some little mm-hmm. niche subset thing um, that, again, not everyone's going to uh, it's not going to appeal to everybody, but to a certain subset, it's going to work. So what I typically do whenever it comes to a keynote is I typically will structure it to use a lot more uh, a lot more stories. Um, it's a lot more, I use a more humor doing that. It's uh, it's more like I would say, again, more broad and kind of more. Uh, it's, I would say it's typically less tactical and more just kind of 
big picture. Whereas if I'm doing the, um, like in your case, you, you might talk about why productivity matters and how productivity can affect you. And if you, if you dial this stuff in, how it can make a difference. And then in the workshop, I would talk about more of the nuts and bolts and kind of in the trenches of, you know, here's these, here's the, my 10 favorite hacks for using Google calendar, you know, right. and the specifics of how you can ac- actually execute on that. So that's typically how I would differentiate, um, b- between the two. So in terms of, of actually like creating the talk again, calling back to what we were talking about earlier. I think it's always important to begin with the end in mind Mm -hmm. because there's, I think we've all, like every one of us, we've heard speakers and you get to the end of it and you're kind of like, you know, they were a good speaker, a bad speaker or whatever, but like, I have no idea what the point of that was. Like, uh, you, you and I, and I don't want to say the name of the conference. You and I were just at a conference together and I I know one particular speaker, were you at the opening session? Uh, yes. I, yeah, I think so. What was the, yeah, I I think so. It was a, a Big wig financial. Oh, no, speaker. I didn't go. I didn't go to that one. No, I didn't go. All right, anyway, all I right, heard so, about so it. That, I heard about it though. Was, yes. So that was one where it's like, you know, he's a fine speaker. Like it wasn't necessarily a bad speaker, but we got to the end and you're just like, I have no clue what that was about. I just listened to it. And I have no clue. See, and that, again. So, so here, I don't mean to cut in, but I think that, that sometimes what happens is, and you and I have been to plenty of conferences where that probably happens, where it's it's not that they're not a good speaker, but it's like they go in with the with. Ego's, ego might be the right term, but it's, it's my job is to go in and inspire people. But the problem is, is that you get, you better know your audience, right? Like you better know, like, and, and, and if it's unclear or if it's, and I mean, there's been tons of them where I've gone in and said, you know, where, you know, what, what in the heck were they talking about? Like, yeah, they were great. They, they, they threw in a bunch of humor and even I've fallen prey to that. Like I've had some, I've had some talks where I've done it and uh, you know, 66%, 70% of the, the comments that I would get were great. And I had a really high speaker score. But then the other comments, and of course, you're always going to get people leaving. The people who leave comments are the ones who have something to say that may not necessarily be appealing. Because that's generally, the that's the internet right there for you. Um, it's like, you know, uh, tried to rely on humor too much. Wasn't necessarily, didn't quite get all the, and it's like, okay, that's that's great feedback. But there's some people who just, you know, and there's some people who go up and speak and they they, re- they rely on their ability to speak well, but if they, if you hang your hat on that too much, you could lose the message in the process, right? No, absolutely. Totally. And I think that like, that was the case in like this example here. And again, I'm not, I don't want to throw anybody into the bus, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, like, he was as a speaker, and like his credentials were good for this conference and for this audience. But he got to the end of it, and he's just kind of like, "What was the point of that?" Like, I don't even know what he what he was talking about. So, I think like a, a really, really basic first step is like again going back to what we talked about at the beginning, but just beginning with the end in mind, so that you are super, super clear by the end of the talk. This is what I want the the audience to do, to think to feel, I I want them to do something as a result of it. So anytime you're sitting in an audience as as an audience member and as a speaker, think this through, but audiences are always thinking through uh, two questions, two questions. So what, and now what? So what, and now what? So what? Like, why should I care about this? Why does this appeal to me? Why does this matter to me? And now what? What am I supposed to do as a result of it? So there's some talks that you come away and you just, I, I, there's a speaker I heard um, actually just this past weekend and we came away and my wife and I were talking about it. I was like, he just made you feel good. Like he just made you feel like yeah. really, really happy, you know? 
Um, and so that, that's fine. That's, if that's the goal of the talk, you know, I just felt really good after, after hearing him speak. There's other talks where it's like, oh, I need to go do something different. There's some tangible change that I need to make. Uh, so, you know, for example, at this conference we're referencing, um, a, a buddy of mine gave a, a quick talk and he was talking about, um, taking a free day. And just take take yep. one 24 hour period off, right? Yep. And so he gave he gave that talk. So it was very very clear by the end of the talk, you knew what the one thing was that you were supposed to do differently. So again, begin with the end in mind of what it is that you are wanting the audience to think or do or feel uh, as a result of the talk. So I think that's kind of the the, the first point. So from there. What I would typically do is, all right, I know where I'm going. I know where the the destination is, where I'm going to take the audience. Now, I want to just brainstorm and brain dump anything and everything. So this could be stories. It could be illustrations. It could be analogies. It could be stats. It could be charts, graphs. It could be um, principles. It could be points, books, resources. It could be any number of things. Just uh, no filter. I'm just doing a brain dump related to this topic. So it could be on a whiteboard. It could just be on, on Evernote. It could be a paper and pencil. Um, it could be any number of like, like the, the method isn't the point, but just no filter. I'm just going to brain dump on this topic from there. Then I'm going to start to create some type of structure and structure for a talk can be, can be different. I think that, that sometimes there's this misconception of, um, you have to have, uh, you have to have three points or you have to have an odd number of points because, you know, psychologically audiences connect better. I don't know about that crap. I, I think there's really like, there's no right or wrong way to create a, a talk. So there's going to be some talks that, that may just be like, um, kind of an introduction and then three points to it and then a conclusion. And that's kind of a typical format. So if you're going to do that, just trying to figure out, all right, I know what the, I know the end of where I want to take the audience. So what would be maybe one or two or three points that I want to hit there? And you're starting to just basically create kind of just a rough outline of where you want to, where you want to, like, again, think about the roadmap. I know the destination, there's a lot of ways I could go to get from point A to point B. So you're kind of figuring that, that out. And then from there, you can, you can start to kind of flesh out the outline of, of, okay, this story that I know is going to work, it would work really, really well with this point. And um, this illustration is going to work well here. What I typically, and again, this is, there's no right or wrong way here, but what I typically try to do is on an individual point, uh, if I'm trying to make, I will present the point, um, talk about, kind of expound on the point, talk about why it matters, tell some type of story. I, I think stories are extremely, extremely powerful for speakers. Mm -hmm. I'll tell some type of story related to that um, to kind of connect the dots. I try to use a lot of first person stories, per stories that actually happened to me versus, you know, let me tell you about this story about this company from the 1900s. And here's how, um, here's how the, the productivity company Franklin Covey was started. Like, I mean, that may be fascinating in some context, but I also, I think people just relate better to something that happened to me and here's the change I made and here's how it affected, you know, in some way. Um, so those types, uh, those types of, of stories. And then the, the kind of the, um, the application of, of now what, what are you going to do as a result of it? So that's kind of how I walk through those points there. So I've got kind of my rough outline um, that I've started to kind of flesh out. Now from here, what I, again, this is just my personal thing. What I do is I will actually manuscript out the entire talk. Right? You're not creating something that you need to memorize, you need to know verbatim or word for word. The point is, is that you think through the entire talk so that you're thinking through your transitions. You're thinking through how you're going to tell a story. Um, you know, Mike, if I, if I were to ask you, tell me, you know, tell me about, um, tell me about whenever you got engaged to your wife, right? If you, you could t like tell me that story right now, just off the cuff, but if you sat down and had 15 minutes to like write it out, you could probably come up with more details to it. You could probably just tell the story better because you just put some thought into it.
Yeah, I want to infuse humor into that. So, because that, that's my that's my go to. Having done stand up, it's like, okay, here's the story. Right. How do I make it? That's always been my 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 go to is to try to infuse humor into things because that's just the nature of what I what I've done in the past. And so, yeah, but you're right. Like I could tell it off the cuff. I've done it so many times. I've actually told that story. Uh, I've done it so many times now that it 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 works, and I can play with it. But I think that that initially, like you said, you're right. You got to sit down and kind of map it out because if you don't, then details get lost. The story isn't told as well, and then you walk off the stage with a bit of like, oh, I missed that point, or oh, I could have done that right. there. Totally, totally. And so you're just you're thinking it through, and again, it's not a it's not a script. So I'll, I'll manuscript it out, and then from there, I think the thing that most speakers at this point fail to do is just practice and rehearse the crap out of it. Just go over it time and time and time again. I spend hours and hours and hours just talking to myself, literally just talking out loud and doing the talk like I would give it from stage. So thinking through, um, you know, thinking through how I'm going to present it, thinking through, um, you know, transitions, thinking through um, even just like voice inflection and, or tone and gestures and movement. How, what's the best way to make this point or to emphasize, you know, this piece of the story and just thinking through all of that stuff ahead of time. Like uh, again, another little trick here is that the best speakers in the world do not get up on stage and just wing it. They don't just make it up. They don't just shoot from the hip. They have spent so much time going over the, the material and practicing and preparing so that by the time they do get up, it's really dialed in. It's, it's really, really polished. So that's, uh, that's again, just kind of like big picture. That's kind of what I would do from beginning to, to end in terms of, all right, I know I got to give a talk and you know, and next month, um, what's the talk going to be about big picture? What's the beginning with the end in mind, uh, brainstorming, creating kind of a rough outline, kind of fleshing out the outline and then uh, manuscript in it and just practicing the crap out of it. Do you think there's such a thing as rehearsing too much? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely possible, but I think, um, I think most, most of the time we, we fail on the other side. I think it's a good example is like going to take a test. I mean, think back to, you know, high school or college or university and, uh, you know, the days that you'd show up for a test. If, if you, if you, um, if you didn't study at all and you show up and the teacher or professor starts passing out a test, you're, you're going to feel panicked. You're going to feel nervous. And that's the way a lot of speakers are like, ah, oh, I just, you know, I just made a couple notes on a napkin or, you know, I wrote down a couple thoughts and I'm just going to go up and give a talk. And I feel really, really nervous. Well, you should feel nervous. You didn't put any work in, right? Versus like, no, no, I studied, I prepared, I did the work. So I show up to take the test. I feel ready. I feel super, super confident. And so I, I, I noticed that myself that whenever I get ready to speak, if I'm – I think you, you always have some level of nerves, and I think that's okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But if I'm feeling nervous because I don't know how this is going to go in the sense that like – I didn't do my part and I didn't prepare, then I should feel super nervous. I should feel like, oh crap, I hope this goes well. But like, <laughs> if it doesn't, it's totally 100% my fault. So I think that, that, um, that, I think the more you practice, the more comfortable you feel. Also, I think it gives you, I guess, in kind of a, um, uh, kind of a weird way of thinking about it, but it, it gives you more, you feel more liberty to, or feel more freedom to go different places with your material. Like there's sometimes you can tell people that 
like they've practiced it and they are so deep in their own head, just thinking about what the next line is that they're supposed to say. Um, and part of the fun of speaking is being able to present what you prepare, but also being present in the moment. Meaning that if something, if something in the room happens, um, that you can, that you can acknowledge it, that you can go with it and it's not going to just completely derail your talk. And I think that's what, um, you know, Mike, I think that's what makes a good comedian too, is mm-hmm. that the, the comedians that like they're doing their bit, they're doing the story that they've told hundreds of times but then they did something that was that was just clearly off the cuff that was just for this room that just happened in this moment and it feels extremely authentic and real but they can they feel at liberty to go with that and to to go down that that trail because they're they're confident in their material i know if i go down that path i know i can think of a segue or or a transition to get back on track of where i need to be um versus like oh crap i can't i'd love to go down there but i don't know how i'm gonna lose my place you know yeah yeah you you, you get stuck in a rabbit hole and you're like okay where was i and, and it's fine oh, to and you know what the best comedians when that happens they said they actually will admit well now where was i like they'll actually do that oh, and that actually if they do it charmingly enough they get a laugh absolutely absolutely and i think that that's a great uh, that's a great thing to just remember is sometimes there's kind of this when you're presenting you feel like it's this us versus them like the audience wants you to fail like they don't no. like if i'm gonna go sit in the talk i want you to do good i want you to be interesting i don't want to waste my time there uh so remember at the end of the day like when you're presenting that you are one human talking to a group of other humans so uh, i think you're exactly right that if you forget your spot like or you take a little segue and you cut. I've done that several times. Like, oh, what were we talking about? Like, where were we going with this? You know, because it just reminds them and it reminds you, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm human. I'm vulnerable. Um, I make mistakes. I forget my place at times. But I think the more, the more comfortable you feel with the material, the easier it is to take some, um, you know, to take some, some, some liberty there with, with uh, other like segues or things that you want to do and just kind of riff. Grant, this has been awesome. It's been great to have you on again. Uh, where can people find you and your work online so that they can learn how to be uh, you know, a bit more productive when it comes to building talks, presentations, and, and, and so much more? Yeah, especially on all the speaking stuff that we've covered, uh, we, we can, people can check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. We got a podcast over there, um, some different uh, online free trainings and uh, free workshops. So, yeah, we'd love for, uh, love people to check it out. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Thanks again, Grant, for joining me this week. Thanks, buddy. And that's it for this week's episode of the show. I'd like to thank Grant Baldwin for joining me once again. I'd like to thank John Polstra for producing the show as he does each and every week. I'd like to thank all of you for joining me. Don't forget to check out the show notes to see if there's anything there that you want to explore further. And don't forget to tune in next week as I come back with another brand new, a brand new, shiny episode of the podcast. So until then, I'm your host, Mike Vardy host of the Productivityist podcast and founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing, start going.